Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. Today's podcast is about acting, and our guest today is Bill Allen, a childhood hero of mine and a veteran actor in TV and film for over 30 years. He can be seen acting in everything from Family Ties to Breaking Bad. But he's best known for playing Crew Jones in the 1986 cult classic, Rad. Let's get into it. And here we are with Bill Allen, actor, uh, BMX legend, cult hero, um, number 33. How are you, Bill? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. As you know, Indie Film Grit is all about indie filmmaking. And even though you've spent most of your career um, acting in big budget productions, I thought it'd be insightful um, for young actors and indie filmmakers out there to hear your story, uh, learn about the business and and Hollywood in general. Well, I have certainly done my uh, share of indie films and will continue to do so, I'm, I'm certain that's a large part of the industry mm-hmm. and uh it's it's not going anywhere so uh actually it's my favorite part of the industry in a lot of ways because you're working mostly with people who are passionate about what they're doing when you're talking independent film you're talking in the five million or probably one million dollar and under range and if you're working on that scale you're going to be running in who to people who are passionate about what they're doing, why they're doing it, know why they're there on that set, and are often supporting uh, their friends or sometimes family members and, and making this collective dream happen. So it, it it's much more obviously a grassroots project when it's happening at that level, and you can kind of feel the passion and and hopefully that that bleeds over to in front of the camera you recently acted in an indie film called heroes of dirt can you tell us about that sure heroes of dirt was a movie that i did that came out last year uh that was independently produced by some young filmmakers uh back east the bugbees and uh they knew me from my rad legacy and so they dreamed up this BMX movie and got it self-financed and it took them years uh, to conceive it, shoot it and get it out, but get it out they did and it was released in theaters and uh you know dozens of theaters nationwide and it's on video now. So uh it can be done on a very small level and if you keep it small and and are able to find your audience you can keep going what what inspired you to be an actor is it was it a film you saw growing up in texas uh, i was lucky enough to live near a really amazing uh, revival cinema uh, the granada theater and so kind of above and beyond what you'd saw at the local cinemaplex, we would go down and see these independent, a lot of foreign films, a lot of classic movies that that weren't on the normal circuit. You would go see you know, whatever they were, Freaks from the 30s 
or uh, King of Hearts from the 70s or, or these Altman films that were very obscure and, and, and really important. I mean, that was really... So a true well, art house theater. Yeah, it was special. Still is. I think it's a live sh- sh- uh, theater now, but it, it, was, it was my college training course, basically, as a kid growing up watching these, these films, not having any idea that this is kind of where my life was leading. Looking back on it, it, it seems inevitable. And I was able to start working in film a couple of years later, and that was just by happenstance. But the door opened, and then I just kind of kicked it open and, and, and waltzed through. Now, I've read your book. It's fantastic. It's called uh, My Rad Career. Correct. At uh, MyRadCareer.com. It talks about... Uh, you know, you coming up in the industry in the 80s and your buddies at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of good stories in there. Thanks. Um, <laughs> a lot yeah. of stories that uh, maybe I shouldn't have put in there, but I, I wanted to write a good book. So I kind of. Well, are there some that you haven't put in there? Yeah, there are a couple that uh, that come to mind that, that I went, oh, yeah, I should have put that in there. One of my favorite is... Uh, it was 19, whatever it was, late 80s, and I got a script called The Platoon, and it was by a young Oliver Stone who had only directed a movie called The Hand. I think it was a, uh, The Hand. It was, it, was a, it was a horror film oh, okay. with Michael Caine, My Bloody Hand. And so anyway, uh, I went and met him at the Westwood Marquee, and unbeknownst to him, I had read the script of the platoon, mm-hmm. and I wasn't supposed to. So I was supposed to go in there and play dumb, like I had not read the script. And we sit down over the coffee, and uh, he's like, "Well, let's read some of the script." And so he just picks up a script and he starts reading, but he doesn't hand me one. Right. He just starts reading, and I'm not sure what to do because I wasn't supposed to have read the script. And he has, hasn't handed me one, so I just kind of start playing off what I'd remembered from reading the night before and what he was throwing me mm-hmm. and a page or two into it. He's like, it's your line. And I'm like, you, you didn't give me a script. And he's like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, I, I was just kind of going off what you said. And he just, wait a second. And he goes into the other room, literally calls my manager. You know, this kid's amazing. Whatever they said, it was mm-hmm. just like the, 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 the phone call you want a filmmaker to give your manager. <laughs> right. And, uh, so, it was only, you know, a couple of weeks later that the producer, Dino De Laurentiis, pulled out of, oh. uh, of, of producing the movie. And so it went away. He went on to do Salvador and then got back to Platoon. And by the time he was uh, casting Platoon again, he cast a young Charlie Sheen, mostly because of who his dad was. Mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen was a nobody at the time, but his dad w- had been in Apocalypse Now. I mean, God bless him, but there are times where I look at Charlie Sheen on Dr. Drew and I go, well, that could have been me. And that, you know, maybe I was right. uh, I was disappointed at the time as I was with my other experience with Oliver Stone, but you go, well, things happen for a reason. At least you've learned something from the experience, I hope. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the good way, a good way of going through life. I think you, you touched on it a little bit with the, uh, the old movie house, but what kind of official training, uh, did you have to become an actor? Well, I kind of got on the job training. I was cast in my first movie 
at age 19, I got the lead role in this jockey movie. So we went and shot it on location in Kentucky with a nice large budget. It was a six-month shoot. And uh, uh, my supporting players were people like Tab Hunter, who had been in 100 movies, and Juanita Moore, who had been in that many at least, and, and Jose Ferrer, who had won a half a dozen Tonys and an, wow. uh, and an Oscar for Best Actor. So I was supported by these amazing players and then a young George Clooney came down to be a part of the show because his cousins and his uncle Jose they were on the shoot also so that was both mine and George's entree into show business Mm. unfortunately I had to learn on the set how to act in front of a camera and you want to learn before you get on a set so you were shooting the film for six months and then it never never came out yeah, Never it was, got it was, finished. It was Never. god awful. I probably saw it two years later, maybe three years later. The director still tried to uh, make a go of it, and and it nearly scared me out of the business. It was so awful. It was so god awful. But, well, you kind of dodged a bullet there. I mean, you in in one sense you got uh, acting training on the job, and nobody saw it. That's correct. Yeah. Absolutely. It was just a blessing on so many levels. Got me my SAG card, got me some money to get me out here. But in the interim, the great Adam Rourke, who played my father in that movie, is a very beloved character actor in the 60s and 70s, uh, moved to Dallas, where I was uh, raised, and he started a film acting class. And Hmm. that's where we met a young Lou Diamond Phillips, who was straight out of the local college there uh, uh ldp yeah yeah big hulking lou showed up and we're like where well, where did this guy come from you know because <laughs> he's just he's lou you know big hulking just funny and talented and 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 it was largely because of that school and that experience that that we became film actors and we actually ended up teaching film acting at afi Hmm. Uh, for some seasons out oh, that's here cool. that's yeah cool. it's prestigious and oh it, yeah and it produces the best of the best and and so yeah i did rad in 86 and then lou got discovered on a national hunt for la bomba and that came out in the next year and and our friend miguel was in robocop right around that same time and then Brandon started catching wind and then you know it's like all these people started really kind of taking off at the same time and I mean, why not? We were in Los Angeles all, you know, kind of uh, pursuing this. Well, that's what you want to happen is it to work out on a certain level, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I've been lucky enough to work with some, you know, people you may have heard of, like George Clooney, I mentioned earlier, this knucklehead Brad Pitt. I, I became friends with for a time or the great Brandon Bruce Lee, who is my dear friend until his passing in 93. Now, he's a big part of the book. I mean, he's well, he's part of the emotional journey. Of yeah, the book. he's a big part of my life. We were good, dear friends and, and roommates for part of the time. For the last five years of his life, I met him uh, through Miguel Ferrer, who I met on my first movie wow. thir- 34 years ago. Right, right. He did an um, episode of Kung Fu, The Next Generation, a TV pilot that was a modern retelling of Kung Fu, the series that his dad was uh, fired from after developing for TV. And then we started taking acting classes together at the... Uh, the Beverly Hills Playhouse and uh, 
started a theater company together and, and started working with John Lee Hancock, who's now gone on to, to great things as a writer and director. And so we were hanging around like Brad and, and young George, you know, like a serious group of young artists in the 80s in the 80s around in Hollywood, Hollywood. hanging out at yeah. Lou Diamond's house to me, that's the entourage they should have made well we're, ma- we're, we're making that entourage oh movie. We're, we wrote that and put it all into a script about Brandon uh, Lou Diamond helped write it and he kind of put the Hollywood oh, spin yeah. on it because that's what was happening at the time and that's you know some of the people we were hanging out with uh, and more and so it, it seems like uh, ancient history, but it's it's now Hollywood history. And some of these great actors, these great actors and personalities and musicians, you know, were, were mingling at that time. So I, I got to be a part of that sauce. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, I, and I wrote about it in the book. And, and I felt uh, that I would be robbing the audience uh, uh, the readers if I didn't dig deep and, and, and tell my most interesting stories. Yeah. And in my mind, these are epic stories. Make of them what you will. Ignore them and cut straight to the end. The Q&A at the end, you know, is like a goofy. No, it's end. definitely worth the read. And it's an easy read because it's it's fascinating and it's, uh, it's entertaining. Thanks, thanks. Not many big words and not many words to a page. I, I figured out <laughs> you know, the BMX crowd are not a lot of big readers. So I tried to make it very conversational and not too preachy and just let people know what I, I've gone through because it's it's actually very interesting, you know. I've had the back seat and sometimes front seat to to historic occasions, you know, and and so why not talk about the night Lou Diamond Phillips became a star at the Palace Theater, where you know the 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 greatest musicians of our day and and past stars all showed up. I mean, this was a night that happened, and I got a front seat to it. Now in Rad, then you got to work with some pretty well known actors like Jack Weston. What was that like? It was great. You know, I grew up in the era of Twilight Zone, the old Rod Rod Serling TV show that he was on many episodes of, as he did hundreds of episodic television shows and and just countless movies that I can remember growing up. And then then you're acting opposite him and, and he's bringing the heat just like he always has. So it's, it's always somewhat, uh, startling when you when you get to work with somebody who you've you've admired and and then uh when when they actually rise to your expectation or rise to their ability jack weston's uh role in ishtar wouldn't come out for another year ishtar (laughs) i love uh, that movie well a lot of people remember remember that as the like worst reviewed movie of all time up there with like Waterworld or something like that. It's just kind of which is also paid off. Most of these movies aren't nearly as bad or dismal failures as people make them out to be. And so Jack was off to do Ishtar after rad. So he was going from my set to work with Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman on Ishtar. You know, I felt like I was in good company. Rad is a very influential uh, movie. I recognized you from the film and uh, when we first met, and 
I, I was like, hey, were you in Rad? I know that guy. Yeah, you had that you look Coop on your Jones? face. Yeah. And yeah, you were the nicest dude. You let me take a picture. Um, cut to how many years later. Um, and we're hanging out still. So. I know, right? Well, uh, I don't fanboy out on you too much, though. I'm pretty good about keeping you, under. You do okay. You do okay. I, I crack a joke it, it, here it, and it there. It slips now and then. <laughs> but uh, there's no doubt I wouldn't be here had I not been in that movie. And uh, there's a certain percentage of the population who, who, who lived through that era and, and that movie is kind of emblematic of either their tastes or, or what they held in high regard at that time. So, well, it was such a unique era. It was the VHS era, you know, it was a very you know, innocent time in retrospect. No Netflix back then. It was, yeah. you go to the store and you, you rent that same VHS cause you loved it. And, uh, you got to cre- credit everybody that worked on that film. I mean, whether it's a soundtrack, obviously the director was incredible, um, the writing, the storytelling, and just the, the, the finger on the pulse of the, of the time. For a certain generation and a certain, you know, uh, age of, of mostly males, you know, they, they watched that movie. Some of them got into the sport because of that, but for whatever reason, it kind of... Like you said, it it, 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 it it was a good snapshot of the 80s and the time and, and kind of encapsulated a lot of what was going on with the soundtrack and the look of the film and and the aesthetic and the dance sequence and all these things. It's one of those movies that me and my close friends have memorized. What is it like actually being kind of a cult hero? Man, it... Uh... It's really cool. Well, yeah. it's really cool. I, I just uh, I, I I see what fame does to people. You know, I've seen it up close, and you see it afar, and the list grows of of casualties and people in cemeteries that fame is completely chewed up and spit out. But I've got the kind of fame where I can't get carried away with it. You know, it's like there's not people camping outside of my. Uh, house and, and I, I don't have paparazzi what I have is a lot of really good guys coming up to me like yourself going man that movie meant a lot to me and thanks man and when is there going to be another one and that's the kind of uh, fame if you will that that will get you out of bed in the morning because they're not they're not like the typical fanboys who are there just because you were in something they saw that movie struck a chord in a lot of these people and now they're showing that movie to their kids and so on so so it's like being a robin hood or some sort of folk hero that not everybody knows and you're not going to get you know a lot of recognition on the on the street but but i get enough love certainly through social media and occasionally you know in the public like with yourself where you 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 know something that you were a part of made a difference and and that's just a, that's a great feeling your bmx bike in rad is uh, number 33 okay. when you were uh, making the movie did that register on any level with you like do you remember that meaning anything well uh I just remember going to see stock car races on the weekend because Hal was uh, a team owner of the Skull Bandit, and that was the number on the Skull Bandit. Oh. Yeah, so that was that was Hal's decision, and 
I'm not sure if the 33 had any special significance past that was his number on his stock car, but yeah, 33 Skull Bandit, Harry Gant. 33 has always been interesting to me, and of course it's been associated with the uh, the Freemasons a little bit, the 33 degree. Um, that would be most likely. That would be most likely. That would be a good guess. I would I would be surprised if Hal was not a Mason. Hmm. Yeah, Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and you talk uh, about him a fair amount in your book as well. Um, yeah, you well, can tell he he meant a lot to you. Well, he's one of those guys. You just—it's like a general grant. You you just feel fortunate to to have been in their crosshairs for any amount of time. And I was lucky to spend a lot of time with Hal. Hal, even at the end, when we did some rad screenings and some publicity for the twenty fifth anniversary of Rad. Who would your dream team for a film be? Like director, writer, other actors? Uh, the project that comes to mind is this movie that, that Lou Diamond and myself wrote about Brandon Lee. So Lou happens to be a very accomplished director. Not everybody knows that. And so, Didn't he just make a movie called 33? Wow. Just bringing that back wah, in. Wah, wah, wee wah. <laughs> It's true, though, right? The it is right true. Right. You Wow. You know, I thought you were going off on a tangent a few minutes ago, and then you just brought it all home. Bring it all <laughs> so right. Go on. Go good on. on you. Yeah, he just had a, a really successful movie called The 33 with Antonio Banderas. If you haven't seen it, check it out. So I've known Lou since 1983, 84. We wrote this movie together, and, and now it looks like it's finally coming together. So the great Robbie Krieger, who played guitar for The Doors and wrote many of their great hits, uh, has agreed to write the title song for this movie, which he's done already, and come on as as uh, musical director. So, wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, I've been able to uh, spend time with Robbie, uh, hear the song that he wrote specifically for this movie from my point of view, and I've, I've played with him live a couple times now. So, yeah, again, it's just I've been very fortunate to, to be in the backseat uh, uh, sometimes when things get really cool. So uh, we, 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 we seem to be putting this movie together after a lot of turmoil and struggle and many years of being in the desert and now we've got some real hard hitters going yeah we're going to do this so I, I expect that to happen sooner than later that's fantastic and then that puts you into a writer producer role uh certainly a writer's role right. and, and i've written scripts before and done some short movies but this has been uh my first foray in, in writing something that i thought had a lot of commercial potential at the same time it was about my dear friend mm -hmm. so i felt it was necessary uh, he was just just the best guy and and people don't know that about him they know him as the crow and i'm happy about that he he died on that movie set so i would hope that it has some impact in people's lives but at the same time you had to know Brandon a long time before you found a serious bone in his body. It was there, but mostly he was just, he was Dennis the Menace, you know, on crack and just, just, just going 24 seven. And, and, and if you're along for the ride, man, you better buckle down. Cause you're going to get scarred up. You're going to get scarred up. 
you know, and those personalities are, are hard to be around. But if, if you can get beyond the insanity and, and kind of get to the goal, then it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And you might not make it through. You might not survive the journey. And he was one of those personalities where you'd have to question your relationship going, is this a good idea? You know, hanging out with a 24-year-old Brandon Lee? You know, man, <laughs> it was just hazardous. Again, the best stories of my life, you know. And like I said, this is this is my personal history in my life. But I look at, you know, La Bamba, and I look at Eric Draven, and I look at Crew Jones, and i like, wow, we did something, oh, guys. Yeah. Look you what did we did, lot. you know. I mean, we, it, those three guys will be around long after we croak. Right. And, and uh, all these other things, I hope, will stand the test of time also. You oh, know, I, definitely, I, definitely. I, I got to work with Breaking Bad's uh, Brian Cranston on Breaking Bad and, yeah. and, and, and Tosh.0. And, you know, you, you get to do these things, and sometimes you're just you're there at, at the right time, you know. But right. You, 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 well, Tosh is cool because he's somewhat of a modern champion of rat. Yeah, he's, yeah, big he's time. He's somewhat visible out there in the... Uh, He's, the comedy he's, world, he's done a lot to really kind of uh, introduce myself and the Rad Legacy to a whole new audience. He's the biggest thing on Comedy Central and has had me on, you know, three times, I think, and has referenced me on the show yeah. enough to where people think we're actually buddies. Where yeah. You know, in my mind we are, but in fact, I only see him when I am lucky enough to do the show. Do you have any advice for the, uh, the people out there that want to go into acting as a career? Well, I guess uh, number one is figure out exactly what you want to do as far as do you want to be in a sitcom? Do you want to be in you know a, a TV show on HBO? Do you want to be a, a, a film actor, which is you know that big of a slice, a tiny, tiny slice of, of the acting pie, let's say. Uh, but find yeah find out what that life is like and it's mostly uh, auditions and rejection and getting your balls handed to you do you like that <laughs> i don't know anybody that does yeah you know and and a lot of people it'll just take right out uh but that's part of the game almost at every level uh yeah do some plays do some uh, YouTube videos, write your own stuff, take some comedy classes, just find out if you like the life. I kind of fell in love with the life before uh, I, I ever got a job. I never thought I could get a job, but I love the camaraderie. I love playing grab ass with my theatrical buddies. You know, I saw like a carny. It's exactly like a carny, and I saw a cry of players about a young William Shakespeare when my brother was in a high school drama class, and I went, "Oh, ding, ding, ding! This is what I want for my life: Mm -hmm. hang out with my buddies, go from town to town, and just be uh, gypsies." You know, and I've gotten to experience that with a rock and roll band. You know, so I got to experience that with Lou Diamond. We went went on a tour bus and toured the the, pipe fitters. The pipe fitters. Yeah, we were a thing for a number of years in my life and and toured internationally. So I I got to experience that gypsy lifestyle and the rock and roll lifestyle. And, you know, I mean, fun things, Tim. I've I've gotten to do some fun things and and that's high on the list. Okay, so that's that's good advice. What about things to avoid if if you're going into acting? Uh, things to avoid. You know what to avoid. Everybody knows what to avoid. Is it avoidable? Probably not. 
you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the chemicals, the alcohol, the, the uh, sexual indiscretion is, is rampant and can take you out on any level, at any level, at any time, at any point in your career. So if you want to hold on to your morals, uh, become a plumber? <laughs> no, just hold on to your morals, man, right. and don't do what you wouldn't tell your mother you're doing, I suppose. And, you know, this would have been great advice for me to take when I, <laughs> right, when right. I was a kid. I'm starting to think, wait, wait a minute, should I? <laughs> but But I actually had a great mentor, and on that jockey movie I told you about, they brought on an acting coach who, who became a close family friend and a friend of mine and who kind of, uh, you know, ushered me through the, the hallways of Hollywood insanity. And, and, cool. and he was a great acting coach as he was to Nick Nolte, who he discovered oh, as, wow. as a pop. So I knew I was in good hands. I knew he knew what he was talking about. So not only did I have somebody to help me with my acting and private coaching and he he started classes eventually uh but he was also helpful in in the the business sense and uh, helped prepare me for what to expect and what was expected of me nice okay one more question and then we'll wrap this thing up can you tell us what is the secret to a good ass lighting oh my god good (laughs) ass lighting well, in this day and age, I guess it would be fully protected. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't know if you know the story, but they set up the ass lighting ramp in Rad. For those non-Rad fans, you're just going to have to look it up. YouTube ass lighting. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, but don't you porn ass lighting. You, <laughs> YouTube it. Very different. Very different. And so... so <laughs> So they set up this ramp that leads into this frozen river, basically. It was frozen snow a few minutes earlier. And they had Martin Aparejo, my good friend, uh, ride into it first, uh, not only to test it out, but to show that it's actually fun. And Hal took him aside and said, when you come out of the water, you know, have a big smile on your face so you won't scare the crap out of the actors. And he did, and he came out. It looked like it was a great time. And in fact, it was not a great time. It was 31 degree water. Oh, yeah, it was insane. But he made it look fun. And like, how could have thrown me in there upside down in a bag? You know, I would not have cared. But anyway, he he wanted to dupe me into thinking this was right. this was huge fun. And and in fact, it wasn't. But it's the old Tom Sawyer trick. Yeah, and I think you know it was probably one of my last. Great exchanges with Lori. You're you're gonna have to read the book to see how I screwed that one up because it's pretty epic and and worth the money. The, the thirty-two degree water didn't do anything. Yeah, it was... did not make a hero out of me. I'll tell you what, there was nothing impresses impressive about me after that little episode. And God bless her. She's she's married to Mosimo now, and you're probably wearing his shorts i'm wearing a shirt yeah right now. Right. between that and the coppola wine at target you're like man these rad people have done pretty well <laughs> for themselves but i couldn't be happier for them actually good people all right man well this was awesome it was fun thank you thank you for sharing your stories yeah thank you i want to urge everybody out there to get a copy of uh, my rad career at myradcareer.com which is killer thanks man i appreciate it thanks dad Thank you.
Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you're enjoying the Indie Film Grit podcast in general. Feel free to go to IndieFilmGrit.com and check out the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That way, uh, we can see more of each other. Before I go, i got to ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit? <laughs>